Welcome to the Greyhound Girl podcast with your host, Dimity Ma. Don't forget, you can follow her on Facebook at The Greyhound Girl. Hi everyone, on this episode of the podcast I catch up with South Australian co-trainer of superstar Victor Damien, Tony Rasmussen, to have a great chat about what it was like at Albion Park on Thursday night, qualifying three runners for the Group 2 Flying Amy Classic, including Victor Damien. We had a chat about also how he got started in Greyhound Racing, his fantastic team of owners, and of course some helpful advice for anyone looking to pick up the lead and collar. I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, so probably the most obvious place I'm going to start with is um, is Victor Damien. I mean, you know, that, yeah, what did you make of the run? I mean, you know, it was just, you know, for what he had to do, um, yeah, you must have been super pleased with how he handled it. Well, I was actually in the catching pen because I was ready to catch him because I don't box him, I catch him. And when he got checked by that five dog and I thought this is the end of this, he's not even going to make it. And then when he went down the back straight, and he and he and he moved out wide. I thought, gee, this is enormous. This dog's got a chance here. And I knew what his turn up was like in his mid race, and his run home could be like. And uh, yeah, no, massive run, man. You could only dream of a dog doing things like that. Yep, he's um. It, it was a very smart run because he easily got a, could have got himself caught up in traffic. And like you said, I honestly thought he was gone at the turn too. I thought, oh, geez, he's going to have to get a lot of luck here to do it. Yeah. But he was smart and switched to the outside. He did it the hard way. But like you said, he's got the ability. And then, yeah, I was so confident sort of as they went past the 600 boxes, I said, yeah, he's home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he, when he went around that home turn and he was coming around, I thought, we're home here. Yep. Um, Look, you know, the best thing we ever did with Damien was dropping back at Angle Park and giving him some competence runs after his big runs. He's, you know, the best in Australia. And those those three runs and the, and, and the Howard Ashton at Angle Park, I think it just turned that dog around again. Um, being so young, we just didn't want to knock the competence out of him. So that's why we did that. Yep. He's, um, and it's not easy too for a big dog at 36 and a half kilos to get rebalanced, but he managed to do it. And, and yeah, like most dogs, it, it would sort of take the wind out of him. But yeah, he managed to balance himself up. And I think it just shows, you know, how much he's maturing and yeah, how exciting he really is. Well, I honestly think he's a class animal. I don't think we'll ever get a dog like him again. Well, I'd like to think we'd get another couple of like him, but it'd be nice. Um, he has he has a brain in his head as much as the ability he's got. He has a brain. He doesn't just go gung ho, man. He thinks about what he's doing in a race. You can you can see that after what happened the other night. Yep. What um? How did he travel up there? I mean, obviously he's been over to to Wentworth Park and he's been to Victoria. But yeah, how did he handle the trip there? Not a problem. Look, all three dogs, all four dogs I took up there, they travelled really well. 25 hours travelling wow. with stopping and emptying, with stopping and emptying, you know, like people people have said, oh, it won't work, and people have said, I'm mad and all this sort of thing, but I find the dog is a lot better in its own environment and they know the van and it, my vans are a, a massive Mercedes van and it's it's decked out so that they can have like a kennel area in there. So yep. with four dogs in there where I normally carry 16, they, they've got that much room in there. It's like being in a kennel. <laughs> sounds, um, sounds nice. <laughs> it is very nice, you know, and like they're actually living in the van up there now. Yeah, right. right. That, that, they haven't gone to other people's kennels or anything like that. They're actually living in the van, yep. and the and the and the area they've got in that van is like being in the kennel. Yep, 
Yeah, nice, nice. What um, it, I was going to say, the trip probably took more of yourself than the dogs. <laughs> well, it did, but <laughs> I sort of broke it up because I stopped at Stewie Dickinson's place on um, on Sunday and and had a few hours off there. Um, yep. And I sort of had a couple of beers with Stewie and went and watched his son play football and, and or rugby league, they call it. I'm not sure what they call it these days. But anyway, I went and watched that. And then I sort of, instead of going down the pub and having dinner with Stewie and, and the team, I, I went back and had three hours sleep. And I just got up and got going again at 10 o'clock that night and, and, and headed towards Queensland. And my GPS at the start said it was only going to take me seven and a half hours. But then all of a sudden it bounced up and said, Nearly 11 hours. Oh, I thought, no. oh, well, just as well I left early, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, technology, you can't rely on it, can you? <laughs> no, sometimes you can't. I 100% agree with that, yeah. So, yeah. I suppose, um, I suppose, obviously, you know, the, the trip was worth it because, you know, it, I guess obviously all the focus from people was on Damien, but, you know, other couple delivered as well. And, um, you know, we'll start with Victor Marley. What did you make of that performance at Big Odds too? Massive odds. Look, look, that little that little bitch is actually growing in maturity. Like, um, she used to, if she got headed, because she, she's quick out of boxes, if she got headed, she'd normally chuck it in. But her last few starts, if you watch her, she's actually been coming home. She's actually been giving them a go. And when she was coming down the home straight, I thought, come on, Marty, just keep kicking, man. You can win this. And, and you know, like, she just kept kicking and kicking and kicking. And the track at any place is usually slower in the first two or three races of the night. Yeah. And her first split was the quickest first split of the night. Yeah, right. Um, so, you know, I, I, I sort of looked at that and, and her first section was the quickest of the night. Yep. So, you know, look, don't count her out from box eight. She loves that room out white. Yep. Um, and, and she'll come out like a firecracker again. Third time on the track, she'll come out even better again. Yep. And uh, and Victor Albie as well in um you know in a nice thirty oh nine I thought that was a, a really good time. Well, he's a nice little dog. Like he's not as good as Damien, but he's a good honest dog. And the time was really it was there, you know. And uh, look, I've always had a big opinion of Victor Albie, and so have a few other people. Like Ron's always liked him, and and a couple other people in the, in the industry have liked him, you know. And they've always said he's got the ability, but he. Of course, he hasn't got the class of Damien. Nobody's going to have that class. Yep. Um, you know, but he's a good, honest chaser and he's always going to give it a go. Now, look into the box draw. Damien's got two, Albie's got three, and like you just touched on, Marley's got eight. Are you happy with how they're all drawn? Not really. I'd rather have had Albie and two and Damien and three, or yep. I'd rather have had Damien and eight. And you know, <laughs> but Look, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a feature race, and honestly, 50%... Good management, fifty percent luck. We're in the race. We've got three chances, and uh, and I give them all the chance, you know, honestly. Yep. But if Damien gets a clean run, he would just win that race. But if he doesn't get a clean run, he's going to have to think about it again and, and do the right thing. Yep. How is yeah. um? How's the attention sort of been on you guys in South Australia? I mean, I've interviewed a couple of South Australian participants, and they've said, you know, not just Damien. I mean, the whole litter. They said it's been so good for South Australia. To, you know, it's a bit like you know Tommy Shelby, what he did for WA, being able to trip all over the you know country and, and capture people's attention. But yeah, how have you found it in in South Australia? Have you had good local support from everyone? Oh, look, I'll tell you what, there's probably about 90% of the people in South Australia support us 100% and, and the dogs, they, they follow them and, and they, 
it's a bit of a dream run for the South Australians, you know, because they uh, we haven't sent them away. They've been they've been SA bred, they've been SA trained. Um, wherever we go, we travel with them. Um, you know, it's it's different to other people that have had good dogs in South Australia. Normally, they send them to another trainer. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I've always said that I know how to travel with dogs and and and, and get the best out of it. And, and I'm, I'm I'm proving it again. Once again, I'm proving I can travel and and win races and things like that. You know, and we all know in a big feature race, you need that luck. If you don't get it, well, so be it. You know, you're there. You've given it a go. I never dreamed to have three in that final. Just trust me, I never dreamed of that. I thought <laughs> I might have maybe one, maybe two, you know. Yep. And then when we got three in that, well, yeah, it, it was just a an absolute thrill for the family, for the owners, and, and you know, for for all of us. It was just a thrill to have three of them in the final. I remember um, when I spoke to Lisa, oh, this was a, a few months ago now, and she obviously said, um, you know, that you guys had had some offers to to buy Damien and she said look we may never get another dog like this so you know there's no chance of selling and you know I like like you just said you can't put a price on what you guys are experiencing there's no way you could no 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 you know and the team that we've got behind us at home here you know we've got four workers here and a couple of casuals and two full-timers our nieces and Lisa and I you know like it's a big challenge to for me to go away for a few days, like it's really puts pressure on people at home. But everybody stands up and does does their bit. And Ron and Joan Shadow, the owners of these dogs, you know, it's just so exciting for them. They just it's just a dream come true. You know, they've they've bred a lot of dogs and they've raced a lot of dogs. But you know, the last couple of litters that they've bred and the last couple of litters we've raced for them have just been enormous. You know, like the other litter, I think they won about nine hundred thousand. Oh wow! This litter, you know, this litter here is—it's just so exciting for them. You know, they're eighty-eight and eighty-nine years old. Oh, God, right? love them! <laughs> and, and seriously, seriously, they just—it's just a dream come true. Joan's going to be there, and the four and the three girls are going to be over there for the final. All right, they're coming yep. over to watch the dog run, and it's all about us as a group like we've become part of their family they've become part of our family it's just a real real beautiful situation we've got with the family and, and the dogs yep and beck the handler how is um you know I, I remember seeing her being interviewed at wentworth park just how emotional elated she was is she you know is she getting a bit better at handling all these sort of you know um being in the spotlight or is it still a bit um bit neuter and she gets a bit nervous no she doesn't get nervous anymore like this has changed that girl's life. She was the sort of person that was always back in the in the in the background. Nobody sort of knew she was alive, sort of thing. She was always in the background, and and when we went to Wentworth Park with the, the National Derby and what in the Oaks and what you know, I never told her if they win, you're going to get interviewed. That's <laughs> <laughs> a stitch up. I, just, I, I do remember her saying. That wasn't very nice, Uncle Tony. You could have warned me about something like that. But she speaks on a microphone now like, you know, she, the confidence is there. She's really, really enjoying it. You know? yep. And um, she relates to the dogs as good as anybody that I've had handling my dogs. And there's a few people like Jade Hurley and, and your sister. And, and you know, they just relate to the dogs. The dogs relate to them because they are working with them all the time. Yep. And that is really important. You can't put dogs in strangers' hands and expect them to perform 100%. They need to know who their surroundings, you know, and and that's why I think they're performing over there because I've 
they're, they're living in the van. They're living in their own surroundings, their own smell, their own area, you know? Yeah. And, it's, and it, it, it's really exciting. But the hardest part about that is you've got to get up and empty them every four hours. It doesn't matter what time <laughs> of the day it is. You've got to do it, you know? Yep, um, yep. Oh, look, it's, and, it's and, paying off anyway. Yeah, you know, when we went to Wentworth Park, that was just a start of our, our, our career with these the, with this litter because, you know, like Marley, she made the, the final of the group one laurel or whatever it was. Yeah, anyway, she made that. And, you know, like, I, I sort of put them in to, you know, and she read third in the final. But, you know, I sort of put them in to fill a gap in the car but the trouble is, they're coming out and they're, and they're, and they're actually making these finals, and they're actually going really, really well. And oh, just honestly, it's just a dream come true for me and Lisa and 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 the Reza Racing team. It really is. Yep. Now, how long have you been doing this, Tone? How long have you been training for? And um, how did you first get into greyhound racing? Well, I've been training for about twenty-eight years now. Uh, me and, my, and Lisa as a team, we've been training together, and. We got into greyhound racing. We bought the property we've got now actually to breed horses or ponies, little ponies. Oh, cute. And, yeah, and, and, and there was no money breeding ponies. And we brought a dog called Zazaki Bale and, and you know, like she made us some money. And I said, Lisa, this is better than horses, man. We make money if they win, <laughs> not just a ribbon. And that's how we sort of got started. And her father and her mother, they sort of supported us at the start. And, and then I'm, I'm sort of a person that's, you know, I want to go forward. I don't want to go backwards. And, and we just battled away. We had, we've had some tough times. Don't worry about that. But, yeah. you know, this is probably the time of our life that we're going to really enjoy the dogs. And, and there's some pretty exciting little puppies coming along behind these ones. So hopefully we just keep on going. Oh, excellent. What, um, what are they? Uh, we got some um, Kurung Lucy Barshabale pups that are oh, broken nice. and fast. Yep. Yes, and let's hope they can keep coming. And then Mon and Joan have got another litter that's just about to go get broken in, and, and Ron has a uh, has a big opinion of them, and normally his big opinion sort of comes out and shows shows out in the racing field, you know. Like, and, and I'm just hoping that he's right again, you know. And yep. So we we we've teamed up with Cameron Butcher and his wife as well now. Yep. Um, we're we're breeding and gone halves with them and all their litters, and you know. It's a it's a it's a challenge, but at the end of the day, if you if you breed right and you rear them right, that's a big thing. Rearing them right, and Ron and Joan do the best magnificent job of rearing pups. You yeah. know, you, you they just do everything a hundred percent. There's no shortcuts at any time. Yeah, and that's what they do. That's why these pups are good. You can breed with the best, but if you don't rear them right. Don't do the right thing with them in their early career. You're still not going to get any pups. Yeah, it's a really good point. I think a lot of people, you know, and yeah, you know, rightly so, focus on you know, oh, who's going to break them in and pre-train them and train them and all the rest of it. And obviously, you know, that is important. But yeah, it's a great point to to reiterate. If they don't have a good start, like if you don't have a good whelper, and you know, from that very first day, if they're not, you know, yep. looked after properly, you're wasting your time. That's right, and you must feed them the best. There's no shortcuts in feeding pups yep. and we learned that from paul wheeler honestly we oh, we trained for paul wheeler yep. for years yep. and we went to his property and saw what he did you know and i'll take my hat off to paul wheeler he knows how to rear pups yeah he fed them the best he did everything by the book you know he just did everything correct and you you only gotta look at the results he's got in his life that's right yeah and, and you know and paul wheeler put lisa and i on the map 
hundred percent he did. You know, I, I remember writing him a letter and ringing him and trying to get a dog off, and he and he gave me a dog called Ellery Bale. And honestly, she wasn't much of a dog, but we made the final of the Oaks in Adelaide, and and we made a lot of money with her and did really well with her. And then he just kept pouring dogs into our kennel, and, you know. <laughs> and, and and the only reason he didn't we didn't stick with him probably in our careers because of the rehoming of dogs, and he didn't agree with what South Australia did. Yeah, right. You yeah. know, and, 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 you know, like, so we went out in the limb and got dogs elsewhere and we trained for people like Tim Aloisi and, and you know, he always seemed to have a knack of buying good dogs and getting good dogs. And, and then, you know, we we parted company there and we went on and I trained dogs for Punters HQ and, I, you know, I've just, just always had that, my finger in the pie and then Stewie Dickinson come on board and we trained the Corborn dogs with him and, yep. you know, it, it's just been a, a magical trip and now we've got these beautiful pups and more coming through. It's, it's just, it's just you know, with Yvonne and Cameron, it's just going to be an exciting time and, and um, Yvonne and, and, and Cameron, they've been in the game for 50 or 60 years as well, you know, and they've just sort of stepped back and said, well, you train the dogs and rear the pups and train the dogs and we just come for the ride and be and, and support you as well. Yep, and that must, you know, that must just give you guys so much, you know, confidence and freedom to know that someone's not on the phone every five minutes trying to tell you what to do or get an answer out of you as to what you're doing and, yeah. I, I had Yvonne and Cameron here today, you know, and they said, Tony, we – we never dreamed of you taking dogs up there. Like, uh, I know not our dogs, but they said to me today, they said that was just enormous to drive up there, do the right thing by the dogs, get your three winners, get three into the final, win, lose or draw. What a magic effort you've made, he yeah. said. And he, and Cameron's exact words were to me, he said, nobody else in Australia would do that. Yep. He said they would not drive 25 hours to race dogs and get that result. He said, it's just most people fly them up and put them in someone else's kennel. And and one thing Cameron said to me, he said, you must take the dogs and you must train the dogs. He yep. said, because I don't want them being sent away to other people. Yep. And that's one I've stuck with. I've stuck with that with the Victor dogs as well. You know, if they go anywhere, I go with them. Yep. And, yep. and the, results, the results will come, you know. They definitely will. It's oh, just, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, and it's a bit like humans, you know, we're all sort of creatures of comfort and, you know, when you're taken out of your comfort zone, it's, you know, it's you know, it's difficult and especially for dogs when, you know, you sort of can't, com you know, communicate with them verbally and, and they don't know what's going on and, and that sort of thing. And, yeah, I think the, the proof's definitely there with what you guys are doing and, you know, you just stick with what works. Yeah, what works, it works, you know, and, and I've already said, I was talking to Greg Horn, I stay with him in Western Australia when I go over there with Damien or any dogs I've taken over there, and I've said to Greg, next time I race in Western Australia, I said, I'm driving them over, and he said, why is that? I said, we seem to get a good result when we drive them. <laughs> I said, when we fly them, I said, we don't seem to do any good in Western Australia. I said, your kennels are a beautiful setup. I said, we get on extremely well, the dogs are well looked after. I said, but they just need their own home, home environment. Yep. And um, yeah, and you'll see that if you go back and have a look at She's a Pearl, uh, well, she's passed, they they go really, really good in their own states. And when they start to travel, they seem to just don't form the same. And and I don't know what it is, but, you know, they're two dogs that I look at and I think, gee, they, they're, they're the best dogs in Australia, the best bitches in Australia. They've been trained well, are good trainers. But when they seem to go into state, they seem to lose that bit. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I just think if you can keep them as close to their home environment 
as you can, it works. Yep. And one last question. I mean, I know this is probably like a, you know, I like to hear people daring to dream, but you know, whether it's with Damien or, or any other dog you've got coming through, is there a dream race you'd love to win? Yeah, there is. The Adelaide Cup is the one race I've never won in South Australia, and I'm dreaming to win that one day. Nice. Um, nice. We've, we've run placings in it. We've always had dogs in the final, but we just, just don't seem to crack the Adelaide Cup. Yep. <laughs> you know, look, we, uh, you know, I'd love to win the Melbourne Cup, the Australia Cup, and all those races. But the Adelaide Cup is a, it's the local race that I'd really love to win. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so, nice. What yeah. would um, what would the celebrations be like if you if you won that? A bit of crowd surfing or something? Or? Uh, I think the <laughs> celebrations would go on for quite some days. I'll tell you right now. Yeah. Look, honestly, I definitely wouldn't be driving the dogs home anyway. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you have I, that Uber I, on standby. I, 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 yeah, I enjoy a scotch down at Angle Park, you know, and these days they seem to don't like you having a drink and, and boxing dogs and things like that. But anyway, <laughs> we won't say any more to that. But, yeah, um, if I won that late cup, that would just be the dream come true. Honestly, yeah. it would. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Greyhound Girl podcast and for your ongoing support of not only this podcast but of Greyhound Racing in general. Remember, you can follow Dimity at the Greyhound Girl on Facebook.